0: Hey folks, Rin here. This week's episode is a rebroadcast of one that originally aired about a year ago on the Herb Rally podcast. You listened to that one too, right? Well if not, check it out. Hashtag community, not competition. We wanted to share this with you all again because, well, tis the season. Pumpkin spice season, that is. But first, a couple of shout outs to Ellie, Vera, Lian, Danielle, Melanie, and Ash who volunteered this week to help us transcribe our videos from the online program to support a student who is presently incarcerated. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And don't worry, I will be getting back to you soon with new assignments. If you'd like to volunteer, just send us an email at info at commonwealthherbs.com and let us know. Okay, here we go with the episode. Pumpkin spice. That's herbalism too.
1: Hi, I'm Rin and I'm Katya, and we're from the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism here in Boston, Massachusetts. It is um, October 5th, sounds great. It's October 5th, and I'm super excited because it is pumpkin spice season. Um, Some people, in fact, actually not just some people, but um, some people possibly even in this room don't really get the whole pumpkin spice thing. But
0: they, they don't understand the power and the glory of the, the pumpkin power spice.
1: of pumpkin spice.
0: Is that how it is?
1: But um but I really love pumpkin spice and um, you know, don't go crazy about it or whatever. There is a shirt for sale right now that says pumpkin spice everything, which I love, but I did not purchase. So like I'm not completely overboard. But I do I do like a good pumpkin spice. Um, They're tasty. They are tasty.
0: Can't argue with that.
1: A friend of mine wrote on his Facebook page um, a little while back that although he himself is not a great fan of Pumpkin Spice, he feels that there's so much crud going on in the world today that if Pumpkin Spice makes people happy, then they should just have it and be happy and he doesn't need to, like, diss on Pumpkin Spice. Mm -hmm. So, um, but not everybody feels that way. Some people feel like... um, like the whole pumpkin spice thing is a complete mania. Other people um, are kind of zealous in their pumpkin spice uh, passion. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about pumpkin spice behind the scenes. You know, let's, uh, let's meet the spices behind, the herbs behind the flavor. Mm. And um, talk a little bit about why some people go so crazy for this for this blend. And also medicinally, what is what are the herbs in pumpkin spice actually doing for us?
0: Yeah, this is something we've done uh, once or twice before. I had a class that I was doing... Around last year, about uh, the herbs in chai, and it's actually very similar. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the overlap um, where you get ginger and cardamom and often cinnamon. And oh, clove. no cardamom. Uh, no, well, not in pumpkin spice, oh, yes. but okay. in but in chai, you know, it's often gonna sh- turn up there. It's really central.
1: You know, the and- funny thing is that when I was t- t- sorry to cut you off, but when I was doing some research, the the phrase came up again and again that. Um, that, like, adamantly there must never be cardamom in pumpkin spice because that is an unfamiliar flavor and people won't go for it.
0: No, I think it would just make them think, oh, this is chai spice. <laughs> I, I just
1: thought that was so weird when I yeah. read that.
0: Because, yeah, because chai basically boils down to if you get ginger and cardamom in there and then a bunch of other spices you like, then people will say, oh, you made chai for me. So, that, that, <laughs> you know, not to give the game away on that one. But it was a similar investigation, like, okay, here's a, a flavor blend that lots of people enjoy and has lots of variations, but it has sort of a central core to it and uh, what's going on in there from a medicinal perspective. And so uh, your idea was let's do the same
1: for the pumpkin spice. Yeah, let's do it for pumpkin spice. So
0: what are we talking about?
1: Well, pumpkin spice is a whole lot of cinnamon and some ginger and some nutmeg and a little bit of clove and a little bit of allspice. And that combination, presto. It is pumpkin spice. And, you know, one thing I didn't... Where's
0: the pumpkin, though?
1: Well, that's... That, it's called pumpkin spice because this is the spice you put on a pumpkin. And I should just note that pumpkin is wicked boring. It is like the blandest squash there is. It's no butternut. It's no butternut, I gotta tell you, It's boring. And, um... But it's also prolific. So it's not and they're big. it's not surprising that people were looking for something to make pumpkin more palatable and so well, it's called pumpkin spice because these these are the spices that we traditionally put onto pumpkins um
0: for pumpkin pie
1: and pumpkin pie and some, so pumpkin
0: pumpkin spice is the same thing as pumpkin pie spice yes okay just making sure
1: yes yeah um but when you put it in a latte you no longer involve the pie
0: pumpkin pie spice
1: latte that's too many be, yeah, yeah. Mm, they'd be like spice. where's
0: the graham crack yeah, it'd be the whole thing
1: right <coughs> um there are some pumpkin spice products that do actually include pumpkin puree as uh, part of their ingredient list but most of them are just using this spice blend and frankly some of them are not even using the actual spices but synthetic flavoring but but we won't we won't get we will of speak things. of them no more that's yes exactly <laughs> Um, So, why don't we talk for a minute about some of the mythology around pumpkin spice before we get to the herbal actions. So, pumpkin spice um, as a meme or like as a cultural phenomenon started in 2003 um, when Starbucks released its pumpkin spice latte. And has since then become one of the most um, one of the highest selling seasonal flavors of like, all, certainly for for Starbucks, but like across lots of different market segments, as they would call them. <laughs> um, and and so um, yeah,
0: I guess they couldn't trademark that one.
1: No, but but it is it is useful to note that pumpkin spice is not the only time we do this, right? Like, eggnog, gingerbread, peppermint, even hot dogs and watermelon, you know, like every season has sort of traditional flavors associated with it. And a lot of the, um, like scientific study or pseudoscientific study around why pumpkin spice is so popular actually centers on that, that it's, um, you know, we, we remember pumpkin pie from, Childhood and Thanksgiving, and even if your family maybe doesn't have very smooth Thanksgiving traditions, you know, for some people that's a time of yay, my family, and for other people it's a time of oh no, my family. But it is at any rate a time when you know there's a lot of food and things are, you know, it's before the big hubbub, it's after the hubbub of back to school, but before the hubbub of Christmas, and so it's kind of like in that calm center there. And so, so this whole idea of like smelling something, and we have so many emotional responses to smells and smelling something that represents a time of plenty, a, a, a nice time, a holiday. Um, people say that that's, or people who study these kinds of things um, say that this is involved in it. There is a guy his name is Alan Hirsch. And um, he is a researcher who is the director of the Smell and Taste Treatment and Research Foundation in Chicago. And he published a study in a, um, in a scientific journal that I have a link here to, but I can't remember the name of, so I'll have to look that up in just a minute. Um, and his study was um, around the myth that pumpkin pie smell is an aphrodisiac. And so he was looking at, um, a handful of different smells, I believe 30. And, um, he was determining whether or not these smells actually were aphrodisiac. And it did turn out that pumpkin pie came in first. Um, And other ones, black licorice and donut smell. Um, Ironically, cranberry smell, which is another smell associated with Thanksgiving, though to be honest, I can't think of what cranberry actually smells like. I just can think of what it tastes like. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, that one came in dead last. The journal is the um, American Academy of Neurological and Orthopedic Surgeons. So anyway, that was a pretty funny study to, to read through. The link is um, in the show notes down below. And so if you are interested, you can go check that out. But I do think that it's really funny. And again, the theory behind it is it's a, a feeling of comfort, a feeling of warmth and home and safety and all those things. So it's like a good time to get snuggly. <laughs>
0: Cute. all right
1: all right so let's talk about the actual herbs behind this here the first one is cinnamon and cinnamon forms the largest part of the formula and the very first thing i thought about that was well of course it does cinnamon is really common in most of our baked goods and um, there is a study that I love to reference, um, and the link is down below. Um, this study was done in Pakistan, and they did it on people who were type 2 diabetic. And they gave, they divided them into three groups and gave them um, one, three, or six grams of cinnamon daily. And for reference, four grams of cinnamon is a teaspoon. So, that was less than a teaspoon up to one and one half teaspoon of cinnamon daily. And they found a very significant reduction in um, glucose levels, but also an even bigger reduction in triglyceride levels and in cholesterol levels. So that is super interesting. And also, like it tracks with with sort of traditional wisdom, right? So we didn't have this kind of laboratory testing equipment throughout time, obviously. And yet cinnamon is in all of our sugary treats. And I really think that a big part of that was that people understood on some level, observational or otherwise, that the cinnamon was helping their body to process these things. Or maybe it was just because it tasted good.
0: Why not both <coughs> how about that yes yeah, so cinnamon has a lot to recommend it um, it's a pretty notable antispasmodic uh, so it can relieve cramping and spasms and um, you know even hiccups which I think you've got a story about in a moment um, cinnamon is a really powerful antioxidant and of course it has that strong scent to it so it has a pretty high concentration of volatile compounds um, and those are frequently going to serve as antioxidants and have other kind of beneficial effects for uh for corralling inflammation in the body oftentimes there's effects on the immune response that are connected to that um, and so that's uh, carried through with cinnamon um, and when we use it herbally there are some other qualities that we can turn to for it where it has this neat combination of being both astringent and emulsant at the same time which is a pretty rare combo mm. that you that you've find in very few herbs. That's probably less relevant to your pumpkin spice exposure, Um, (laughs) but it is something to just kind of keep in your back pocket for when you're working with cinnamon a little more intensively. Mm -hmm.
1: So Mm. I have a theory that cinnamon is relaxing to the vagus nerve specifically, and here's how my theory plays out. So we know that it's antispasmodic, and um, we also know that the vagus nerve is, is involved in chronic and long-term hiccups. And I happen to know that the only thing that I was ever able to do to stop my chronic long-term hiccups as a child, which were really, I mean, epic hiccups, um, was cinnamon red hot candy. And at that time, because this was 40 some years ago, at that time cinnamon red hots were certainly still made with actual cinnamon oil. I don't know if they still are, but whatever. Um, And it was, it was such a thing that like my mother would never let us run out of cinnamon red hots. They were literally medicine in our house because what we found is that if I put a couple of them three of them, in fact, under my tongue, that the hiccups would go away. And I didn't understand why, and it was funny and it was just a quirky thing in our family, but it was, it was like a big deal. And it wasn't until as an herbalist that I was like, wait a minute, cinnamon is really antispasmodic. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe there's some relaxation action going on. Well, yes, I think there was. And when you look at it, that there is this vagus nerve connection then that's really super interesting to me because the vagus nerve is so tied in with stress and fight or flight versus parasympathetic and all this other stuff. And Mm. it's becoming really popular now to talk about ways to relax the vagus nerve. And so not only does things, you know, things we put cinnamon in could be identified as a category of comfort food, right? You know, (laughs) apple pie, pumpkin pie whatever the treat is, Um, but, so it's relaxing because it's comfort food, and we're hitting that food reward trigger, but also, there's this, there's this significant relaxation factor from the cinnamon, so this, like, I'm just very, very excited about this, Um, so maybe the reason that all of the everyone is so excited about pumpkin spice is that everybody is so stressed out right now and they're using the pumpkin spice as a vagus nerve relaxant <laughs> and they don't even realize pumpkin spice caffeinated lattes completely blows my theory out of the water, but it's still a good theory and I'm holding on to it for a while.
0: Fair enough. Um, so then our next ingredient in the spice blend is going to be ginger. So Ginger is uh, also a really nice anti-spasmodic. Um, so very...
1: so double your <clears throat> relaxation, double your yeah yeah
0: yeah. So again, you know, soothing to the guts helps everything to loosen up and feel uh, pleasant in there. Um, think about you know places where people will have a lot of food all at once and have a feast. And let's get some cinnamon and some ginger in there and relax things and make a little room. That's pretty good. Um, ginger is also a really, uh, potent anti-inflammatory. It's not to be neglected. Um, ginger is in the same family as turmeric, which is a little more famous these days as an anti-inflammatory. And everybody likes to point at the curcumin as a unique compound that's super powered for that kind of thing, or a unique set of compounds actually, because it's not just one chemical there. Uh, but turmeric and ginger, they're in the same family. They have a lot of crossover in terms of their effect and their activity, And ginger is really no slouch when it comes to uh, being an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant, um, improving blood circulation, um, uh, reducing blood pressure, um, and of course improving digestive fire and digestive motility at the same time. Um, So there's a lot to recommend ginger, not just if you feel nauseous, but especially if you feel nauseous. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a very effective uh, anti-emetic as well. I think for some people... Uh, they may like their pumpkin spice into their latte because caffeine, especially when it comes from coffee, uh, can often lead to a bit of a digestive upset from some overstimulation, get you some you know, like gut rumbles going on there. Um, that's a common problem people have with coffee, but if you get some cinnamon and some ginger and some other spices in there, they're going to calm and relax and um, you know, soothe your guts, and so that's going to relieve maybe some of that, some of that jitter feeling. Um, that might be one of those other things that's driving you on a kind of a subconscious level to prefer that. Hmm.
1: Even if there weren't any other herbs involved, that's already like awesome.
0: It's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So already, if you perhaps might be listening to this and thinking, well, I'm a pumpkin spice skeptic, then I mean, hey, like this is pretty great. So if you if you don't want to jump on the pumpkin spice bandwagon, you could just call it cinnamon ginger latte and and just go with that instead. But there's more. There's also nutmeg. Nutmeg is another digestive stimulant um, uh, by by way of being warming to the system. Carminative, and it's currently being studied um, for anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties, and they're coming back with quite. Quite some good or impressive results, but that's not in any way shocking, right? Because a lot of the profile, especially with the volatile oils, is very similar to these other spices, these other like heavy spices, and we already know about what those can do. So if they're coming back with nutmeg saying that it is um, significantly anti-inflammatory and significantly antioxidant, I will say yes, that is not in any way surprising,
0: that's to be expected.
1: Right. Nutmeg is also um, relaxing overall. And in fact, um, a lot of nutmeg can be sedating. So th- there's not a lot in the mix. It's a smaller portion. But um,
0: And way too much nutmeg can actually be psychoactive. This is, uh, by all accounts, one of the least pleasant trips you're ever going to take. So <laughs> definitely don't encourage that, even if you are a uh, psychonaut. But... Um, uh, Well, that is one of the things you'll read (laughs) and uh, and hear about. And I know some folks who've tried it and boy, do they ever regret it. So um, I wouldn't advise that. But uh, also not really relevant to your pumpkin spice experience, but worth discussing.
1: (laughs) But again, here with the pumpkin spice, again with the warming, again with the relaxing um, and the anti-inflammatory action. So so all in all, yeah, we're balancing that caffeine out nicely. Hmm. Pretty cool.
0: So then we've got clove, and uh, clove, you know, we haven't been giving Latin names for most of our herbs here, but I can't resist with clove because its Latin is syzygium, (laughs) and that is really fun to to throw around like you're in a Harry Potter universe there. (laughs) Um, So clove is famous for a few things. Uh, On one level, it can be an analgesic when it's applied topically. Um, That's especially done with clove oil, and um, historically, dentists went through a lot of clove oil. Uh, because they would apply it to the gums uh, when they were going to do some dental surgery on folks, um, so you know the clove essential oil applied topically it, it pretty rapidly numbs the uh, the nerves in that area. A lot of that's attributed to um, one of the constituents in the essential oil called eugenol, which is found in a number of other plants as well. Um, but it's pretty well researched for that effect. Um, it's quite potent, uh, and it can exert that. Now, in a spice blend like this, the main effect you're going to be getting from your clove is to be a warming digestive stimulant, uh, to be a carminative, uh, to have a, a profound uh, antioxidant quality. Again, you know, all these spices they have this um, this this potential to reduce oxidative stress in the body. That's that's really potent and really sort of compact. You don't need large doses of these herbs to get this effect the same way that you might need a a somewhat larger amount of, I don't know, uh, goldenrod or dandelion to get a a similar degree of um, oxidative reduction in the system. Uh, But, you know, you can think of these spices and their strong, powerful flavors as being indicators of their their intensity of effect. Um, If you compare the the potency of, you know, a teaspoon of ground clove to the potency of a teaspoon of ground, uh, you know trying to think of, I don't know, rose petals or something like that, <laughs> um, just the, the, the strength of it isn't, isn't quite on par. Um, and so that's a, a signal that you can look at. These, these herbs, you can uh, think of them as, as plants that have retained their original potency or their original intensity. And also, many of these spices come from tropical regions in the world where they need to be able to resist Uh, infection and uh, exposure to bacteria and fungi and all kinds of different things, and so they need to defend themselves, and we're taking advantage of their defense mechanisms when we work with these as medicine.
1: Yeah, we don't... I didn't mention it because because it's not really applicable in a pumpkin spice application, but... All of these plants also have marked antifungal and antiparasitic effects as well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that's gonna be topical, that's gonna be, um, whether it's topical on the skin or topical to the GI tract, and it's probably not going to happen in the amount that you would have in a latte. But if you were including these in higher doses or including them all the time, you would see that effect as well. And again, you know, because they're growing in regions that are Uh, where funguses are much more common, and and they have to fight against that. Mm -hmm. All of these constituents that the plants are producing, they're producing for their own health. So if a plant produces, if a plant lives in a place where it's going to encounter a lot of mold and a lot of fungus or, or a lot of other things attacking it, it's going to create the chemicals it needs to fight those things, and then we get to benefit from that. So um, thanks, pumpkin spice herbs. Yeah. We appreciate that.
0: Uh, so there's one more in the sort of uh, standard pumpkin spice blend, and that's allspice. Uh, and allspice is really similar to these others. You know, it's a warming digestive stimulant, It has a high antioxidant value to it. Um, its nature is warming and drying and tonifying. And that's shared with pretty much all these others. I mean... Um, The cinnamon and ginger are warming and relaxing in their nature. The cinnamon can be moistening depending on how you apply it. These other herbs are all kind of warm, dry, and tonifying in terms of their basic energetic qualities. Um, And, you know, so the allspice is fairly mild compared to clove, but it does have a nice flavor to it, and it kind of rounds out the, the blend really well.
1: So what we end up with here is five spices. That was five, right? cinnamon, ginger, clove, allspice, and nutmeg. Yes, great. We end up with five spices that are relaxing, antispasmodic, and that are warming. And that's perfect for fall, because fall is when the bustle is starting to to increase, and the temperature is starting to decrease, and everybody's very excited to get out their sweaters and their scarves, at least in this part of the in this part of the country um, and everybody's very excited to start snuggling their warm drinks. And um, so you put, take all that and put in something that smells nostalgic and smells familiar and comforting and has these awesome relaxant and warming effects. Then no wonder it's so popular. Yeah.
0: So uh, hopefully now you can appreciate some of the medicinal value of uh, the herbs that make up this blend. And next time you're sipping a pumpkin spice whatever, (laughs) uh, you can think about these herbs not just as flavor, but also as medicine.
1: And you don't just have to sip your pumpkin spice everything. Uh, We're also including a recipe down in the links for, um, paleo gluten-free, dairy-free pumpkin spice muffins. Um, and we have ours right here and we will be munching on them as soon as we stop talking. But, um, it's a, it's a great recipe if I do say so myself. So try it out, make yourself some pumpkin spice muffins. And there is actual pumpkin in the pumpkin spice muffins. Yeah. Um, make yourself some pumpkin spice muffins, have a nice pumpkin latte and, uh, Have a great fall day.
0: Yeah. Catch you next time.